We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Goldman. Joining me is the lovely one, the chip master himself, Michael J. Flachey. How's it going, Chippy? Hey, I'm a chip off the old block, aren't I? Oh, Look, my God. Uh, hey, you got hey, a chip hey, on your shoulder? Hey, yeah, that I do. That I hint a lime on my shoulder. Alex, <laughs> I'm always thrilled to be talking Pacer basketball. So, look, wait, you know, life's pretty good. Team's playing hard, but it all depends. What do you really want out of this team? I know, Fachi. I mean, let's uh, let's not even get into that. But I think today is going to be an awesome opportunity for us to look at the roster and rank the veterans and rank rank the young players. So we're going to break this up into two tiers. Fachi and I are going through. We're going to look at the vets on this team. There's six vets, and there's 11 of the young players on this team. We went Chris Duarte's age and younger <laughs> to make it work. Uh, so we're going with that 11 group and that group of six, and we're going to rank them 
uh, from inverse order. So from bottom to top, and then share our thoughts on what we have in ranked third. So I'm, I'm curious, who do you have at number six? This is very tough because this could go either way. Really could. So with a flip of a coin, you, you could have a different answer. I'm going to go George Hill here because – Oh, wow, okay. I, and and, and I, I had a different answer about five minutes ago, and then I, I really started going, oh, man, I don't know. And I'll tell you why. Because George Hill, out, outside of – you know, he's played with a couple guys on this team, but James Johnson was an absolute fan favorite, and that's why I have them swap. But for George Hill, he wants to play more. Will the Pacers have an opportunity for George Hill to play more next year? I don't really know, so that's where I got him. Okay, well, I actually have at number six, Daniel Tice. Now, let me explain why. He did play more minutes, valuable minutes, I guess you could say, than Hill and Johnson. And a lot of people say right now he is the backup center to Miles Turner. And Isaiah Jackson and Jalen Smith are just kind of in the waiting, right? I guess that's what you would call it. But for me personally, Flachi, I feel like Tice does not fit the style of play they want to play. Um, and I feel like... His leadership has not been as magnified as, like you said, a George Hill or a James Johnson. So mm -hmm. I think that they would be more willing to, to move off of him, especially since he's owed a lot more money. So if you put money with his fit, with what they're trying to do in terms of like position-wise, I think that he's probably the least valuable out of the six. Okay. The reason why uh, – I'll get to it. Next on my list, I got James Johnson. Okay. Because at this point, James Johnson's turning 37 years old. Yeah. Hasn't played much. He's been a great teammate. I honestly think this is probably the last season for James Johnson. If he was to return, it could be in Indiana as like the last guy, you know, on the bench just to keep kind of that culture that they had going. But I, I really think that this is it for James Johnson. Yeah, I have James at five, too. So I have George Hill ahead of him at four. I'll just go ahead and spoil them both and I'll just do my four real quick. But why I got James Johnson at five over George Hill at four is because. George Hill plays a position of need. And with Nimhard playing a lot of off ball, it's kind of put George Hill as the third string point guard. And with Tyrese's injury, he's become that third string point guard. And I think that's just more of a valuable position. George is also able to play off ball and he can shoot the ball well. So I just feel like George still has more left in the tank. And what he means to Indiana is a lot more than what James Johnson means to Indiana. Yeah. In terms of the city, the fans that type of thing. And I still think James Johnson means a lot to this team because of his relationship with Tyrese and what he's done as a veteran this year. So I think they both have a very similar impact, but I just gave George Hill the nod over James Johnson in terms of value because of his ties to the city. Yeah, no, I hear you. And that was, that was the swap that I made at the, at the last second, but next on my list, I have Daniel Tyson. And the reason why is because he could be valuable in at least a trade well, as fair. salary filler. But George Hill, James Johnson, they're not under contract past this year. So it just makes me feel like, you know what, those guys can't bring anyone back in a trade. I don't think anyone's going to want to do a sign-in trade for either of them. So Daniel Tice, I just feel like he could be packaged with A, maybe a pick. Maybe the Pacers take on a player who has more years on his deal. That is strictly it. Other than that, I, I mean, I'm definitely over the Daniel Tice era, and I'm at <laughs> least happy that Carlisle once realized that they weren't going to be able to trade him was like, Hey man, you're probably going to have to sit for a while. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could say the trade value does give him a little bit more of an edge because he does have more value than a George Hill or James Johnson in the trade. But if you're looking at it from a Pacer standpoint, I don't think he makes much sense on this roster. Absolutely I don't not. really think he made any sense coming into the year. He did so, not. 
the the injury and the playing and, and FIBA and playing for Germany, I think that did kind of impact everything. So let's move on to number three, Fachi. Who you got? Uh, number three, I got I got TJ McConnell. Okay, I got the same and, thing. Yeah, for McConnell, look, he's the perfect teammate. Always ready. Felt like this. I mentioned earlier. I feel like this was a resurgence for McConnell, and he actually took a big step from shooting, you know, forward shooting threes. He's picked and chose the spots. He's shooting forty four percent on the year. Uh, I feel like every team could use a TJ McConnell, but Obviously, at this point, 30 years old, we're looking to have other guys step into a, a bigger role. That's why I got him at number three for the vets. Same reason here. I think out of the three vets that we have remaining, Miles, Buddy, and McConnell, he's uh, the least important of the three. Still mm-hmm. very valuable, but he's a he's a backup point guard to, to two starters. So it's kind of hard to justify that one there. So I got him at three. And the number two, this is where I got Miles Turner. No, I'm just kidding. I got Buddy Hill. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obviously, Buddy Hill number two for a lot of the reasons we already said in the previous segment before this. Just his age. Not that it's not that he's that old or anything, but he's a shooter. Not a great on-ball defender. Not really a good on-ball defender. He's more of a decent team defender. And you got Miles, who is a awesome rim protector, if not the best in the league. He's really improved as an offensive player as well, like we talked about. Just a couple of episodes ago and, and you're seeing him grow and grow and he's still in his prime. So that's why I got Buddy Hilda at two and miles at one. Yeah. I mean, look for Buddy, the Iron Man himself leading the NBA in total threes made. He's been an awesome teammate. He's been a fan favorite. He's showing no signs of slowing down. And I think he's even, you know, grown defensively since coming over to Indiana. I remember they were not Kings fans were just like, he's the worst defender that ever lived. And it's like, all right, look, this man's at least trying. Um, So, that's where I got him over there. Number one, it's Miles Turner. Look, Turner's proven a lot this year. Career year, stayed healthy, chose to extend. He could have signed for a, a longer, if not larger, contract elsewhere. And he's looked fantastic with Tyrese. It's crazy how you know he is now the veteran of this team at age 26 because he's the longest tenured pacer. And we've had numerous guests come on the show and cite his leadership. So that's why I got him as my number one vet on this team. Absolutely, Fachi. Let's move on to our youngins now. So we're going to put the two-way players in here with the remaining nine guys that have been part of the 15-man rotation since the trade deadline. Fachi, who do you have at number uh, 11? I got Trivlin Queen. Look, I don't see him back with the Pacers. I thought as as a two-way contract, I I thought he had a a ton of promise being a a G League Finals MVP and, and all the success that he had in the G League, but we didn't really get to see any of that. There was one 13 point game and that was about it. Yeah. No, I got you. Trevlin Queen, there's 11 for me as well. Did not look good as a point guard in the NBA. Really struggled as a backup point guard when we had a bunch of injuries. So he's doing okay in the G League. We know that he's had G League success. But I think, you know, while what he accomplished in the G League was impressive, it was that, and we got to move forward. So maybe they keep him for another two-way contract. Maybe they just sign him to a Matt Ants contract outright. But I think – for me personally, I think they might want to open up another two-way spot, and I think so. that could be the that'll be the guy on the outside looking in. So at number ten, who do you got? I got Kendall Brown, a okay. truly lost rookie season for the raw second-round pick. Love his length. I hope and you know expect him to be back on a two-way contract. Crazier things could happen, but I, I think that this is a guy that the Pacers obviously traded up for in the draft. I want to see more of him. And this is a major offseason for him. I definitely expect to see him in summer league. 
Yeah, Fachi. So this is where I'm a little bit different than you, and I think it's okay. good that I'm different. I've got O'Shea yeah. Brissett here at 10. All right, all right. Uh, the main reason I have him at number 10 is because he's an expiring contract. We don't know what his value is going to be moving forward. He could not be on this team next year. I think Kendall Brown will still be on that two-way contract. Should be. They really were intrigued by him as a young player. He's a great young man, not just you know on the court, but off the court as well. When you interviewed Scott Drew, I mean, he couldn't stop raving about yep. how great of a kid he is. So I think there's a lot to be desired there. He's got the he's got the tools that you want in a in a, in a forward in today's NBA as well. So you're hoping that maybe he can just develop as a player. And I think honestly, the injuries really set him back, but it could help them in terms of like getting a better contract because of the injuries too. So I I just feel like Kendall Brown has a little bit more value, and I just think O'Shea with the uncertainty of what's going to happen with him, that's why I had to put him at 10. I don't blame you because I got O'Shea at nine. Okay. So look, love me some O'Shea. This man's a goner. Yeah. I think he's leaving him free agency <laughs> for, you know, it's, it was cool. Oh, okay, but I think he's a goner. I, I know. I, 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 he's only 24 years old. I hope he gets to play bigger minutes elsewhere because his role has been reduced each of the last three years. Basically had every opportunity to get ahead of an extension before the year. And it also then at one point looked like they weren't even going to pick up his option. I remember yeah. I was like sweating, like being like, come on, man, it's like 1.8 million. You got to pick it up. But if he returns, there's not really a clear path for what his role will be other than being a great teammate and, you know, maybe getting in some blowouts. So uh, that's why I got him at nine. Yeah. And this is where I had Kendall Brown at nine. I didn't have him much higher than O'Shea, but just had him a little bit because of the reasons I said. And yeah, I agree with you on O'Shea. It's, it's tough because. He was our only wing for a while until yep. we traded for Jordan War, And then, obviously, excuse me, Kendall Brown was on the two-way deal, but we knew he wasn't ready yet. So, I mean, he really was playing a role of a need, but he really wasn't getting a lot of playing time and, you know, got the start in Toronto. I think that he fits this organization well, fits the uh, the team chemistry well. He's a good character guy. Wouldn't have any problem with him coming back. I think that'd be fine. I think he's good enough to be on this roster moving forward, but – I just think, like we've talked about, you got to consolidate, and it makes sense to move off from uh, move on from O'Shea because if they were that intrigued by him, I think that you see a deal get done last offseason and not just, you know, pick up the option or whatever it was. Completely agree. Hey, it brings a tear to my eye, but at, at number eight, I got Chris Duarte. And oh, okay, I got him higher. Yeah, okay, I mean, hey, I wouldn't blame you. I'd love to have him higher, but here's where we're at. It, it just flat out pains me to say that it's. I don't, I don't know when we're going to see him again. I mean, maybe, hopefully, yeah. he comes back remainder of the season. I loved him last year. I nearly bought a jersey of his last yeah. year. That might have been a mistake. But, look, I, I feel like if Buddy's still on the team, how do we even carve <laughs> out a real role for Duarte if we're trying to develop Matherin and Emhart? Yeah. So, it, yeah. it feels like he's honestly suffered a decent amount of injuries in his short span between the toe, the shoulder, the ankle. Alex, I added it up. He's played in 100 games out of basically 172. So yeah. that's uh, he's probably missed about 40% of his games with still, you know, the remaining 10 games to go. Um, and even some of those games he's gotten hurt early on. And so he was already old to not old, but like an <laughs> older rookie. I'm taking some vicious shots here, but look. Man, he was an older all over the place. and now a, a little bit injury-prone. I think the Pacers would like to move on in the offseason. Yeah, I mean, I think the injury-prone part of it does make a lot of sense. Now, the reason I have him higher, and I'll explain that. I mean, I'll just tell you where he's at when I get there. But the reason yeah. I have him higher is because of his rookie contract. I think that mm -hmm. is so valuable 
to a team. And like you mentioned in the last part of the veterans, like if you're looking at trade value, that should matter quite a bit. Having the bird rights, having the restricted free agency rights, that's a that's a big deal. When he's healthy, though, Fachi, and he's in a groove and he's in getting consistent playing time, we know what he can be. He can be a really good lockdown defender. He's a good shooter. He's a good ball mover. He's not a ball stopper. So I think that there's a lot of reasons why to be intrigued by him. So that, for me, is why I have him a little bit higher. But now for number eight, I was kind of torn between seven and eight here, Fachi. But for number eight, I went Jordan Wara. Mm. I really like Jordan Moore. I like how he fits this team. He's a really good shooter. He brings size to the table, which we desperately need. But he's only got one year left on his contract. And then he can hit unrestricted free agency. So basically, you're going to go into the O'Shea Brissett situation all over again uh, next season with Jordan Moore. And I think based on who they draft and based on who they trade for, he could be on the outside looking in for playing time as well, similar to where he was in Milwaukee. He's not shown me enough defensively to trust in him yet to want to make him part of the long-term rotation because you said the same thing with Duarte not finding a spot for him. Well, if they get a starting power forward, that means Aaron Neesmith is going to have to go to the bench. <laughs> so that means Aaron Neesmith either playing, either playing the three or the four and you got to figure out what you're doing with all your other, with other, your other young guys as well. So I just feel like Jordan Wara, I'm a fan. I think that he's been a really surprising young piece, but at the same time, only having one year left and not really getting the ample amount of playing time to boost his value for teams across the league. I don't envision him giving this team much value. Okay. Uh, Next on my list, I got Isaiah Jackson. Look, there's plenty of guys in this draft that are older than I, Jax. He's just 21 years old, but I, I got to say, I expected a lot more this year. I really did. I I thought he attempted more threes last year. I thought it wasn't even about adding to your three-point game. It was about just adding your offensive game because we always knew he could block shots, finish alley-oops, jump really high. We knew all that stuff. But I just did not see enough growth to the point where we still don't know. Oh, is he just an idea or potential based, or can he truly be at least the backup big, like the backup center? on this team. So that remains to be seen. He's had, he's had his flashes. He's got about four or five double doubles on the year. I think at least two of them have been within the past like week or two, but I I was a little bit disappointed about the sophomore year. Yeah. I mean, we talked about that on the mailbag podcast. We were just kind of disappointed with both of the growth from our sophomores. And so I understand why you you said about Jackson. I'll get to him in a minute. I'm going to go ahead and give my number seven. I got Jalen Smith. Now Jalen Smith was a starter. He regressed to a bench player, to not in the rotation, to back as the backup center, to kind of splitting minutes now once again with Isaiah Jackson for that role. And so it's kind of like he's been all over the place with his role this year. I think he's been a professional about it, though. He's handled himself well, as far as we know. And I'm sure there was times he didn't really enjoy it. But, you know, Fachi, he's only 22 years old. Mm -hmm. And, you know, next season he'll be 23. But the year after that, it's a player option. And I think the Pacers, you know (laughs) – with the player option, he might opt in and take it. But at the same time, he could just say, hey, you know what? I'm tired of not getting ample uh, the ample amount of playing time that I want. There's teams out there that are willing to give me more playing time, and they could be on a lesser team. But at that point, I think if you're Jalen Smith, you're just looking for someone that's going to pay you money, guaranteed money, moving forward. And if it's the Pacers, maybe they can find a deal to work out because I think, like we've talked about, he makes more sense as the backup center behind Miles because they're very similar and some of the certain aspects in terms of, you know, being able to rebound the basketball, set screens, you know, they're very similar in how they play the same way of uh, rebounding 
and both can step behind the arc. Miles, obviously, much more advanced in shot blocking and, and that, but I think Jalen's a better rebounder, better passer, uh, that kind of stuff. So I, I just feel like he's more of a natural fit, and you don't feel like you have to worry about him getting bullied down there like Ajax does because Ajax is a little bit thinner. Mm-hmm. I just I just like Jalen a little bit more backup-wise, but I think value-wise, there's just a little bit of uncertainty because he's been so inconsistent and because he's only got a player option after next year. I'm with you. That's why I got him next to my list. Look, okay. I, I wanted to believe so You're high bad. on Jordan Mora. I am. I am. Um, but stick with Jalen Smith for right now. I This was such a win for the Pacers to get him to re-sign. And he shot the three ball so well last year. 37%. I mean, he, he was pulling down rebounds. It just looked like it was like, wow, the Pacers, you know, this is going to be a, a great pickup being able to get him to re-sign. Amazing. It just, he fell out of the rotation quick from being a starter to out of the rotation. He's played well when we've given him, you know, 20 minutes or more per game. He's still young, but is that three-point shot coming back? Because he, yeah. it fell off a cliff this year. No, it's it's been MIA, Flatchy, and I, I was kind of tripping over my words when I was trying to compare his game to Miles and how they fit. I was like, I'm, I'm sounding really stupid right now, but... <laughs> Uh, I was like, I can't go anywhere now. I've already started saying it, so I just got to keep finishing it out. But uh, no, I agree with you. Like, he's not the same three-point level shooter that he was just last year in that small little stretch we saw at the end of the season. But I like his physicality. You know what I mean? I like that he's able to bang with some of the bigger centers in the league. And, you know, we saw what it did against Joel Embiid when Miles got in foul trouble. I mean, I keep going back to that, but it's just just true. I mean, it's it's a small sample size, yes, but – that's an MVP level player that Jalen Smith was not playing better than, but he was playing okay enough in that you didn't feel like you were taking that much of a drop off compared to miles. So that's kind of where it's tough, you know, but I really do like Jalen. I think that he's been a little bit underappreciated by fans this year. And, you know, I I think he's just been put in a weird spot because playing alongside miles like that was not really the greatest thing for him. No, it really wasn't. I feel like at times you just kind of saw him like, you know, standing out in the corner, just kind of like he just didn't look comfortable. No. Um, so that was definitely evident. But for, for next on my well, list. I didn't say my on? number six yet. Okay, what do you got? My number six is Chris Duarte. Okay. And everything I said about Duarte earlier, I still feel the same way about him, obviously. I'm not changing anything. I just feel like that contract is the big reason why I have him ahead of Warren Smith because the injuries are a big concern. The the regression, I guess you could say a little bit, Foch, oh, yeah. is is a bit of a concern. But I think overall we've seen him even grow a little bit this year when he's been able to put in that consistent time. Like he was rough for the month of January. Like the shooting percentage was just awful. And you're like, man, what is what is going on with him? I think he just was trying to figure out who is who he was supposed to be with this team, what his role was supposed to be, how he was going to fit in. So personally for me, love me some Chris Duarte from his rookie season, sophomore year. I've been willing to move off of him. A lot of it, like you said, for logjam purposes, but I think he just brings a little bit more value back because of the contract and the bird rights being that huge when it comes to RFA. That's true. I feel like I'm like a conspiracy theorist or someone who saw like Bigfoot, but I was like, I was in the building when he dropped 30. I saw it. I saw it. Like he looked so good. And it was just like, I wonder what would have happened if he didn't have that ankle injury the very next game great point because yeah he, he was cooking at that point and he was never the same after that he had he had a few you know good games here and there but it was just like 
he started the season really rough and then he, you know, he started to pick it up and then it went downhill. So yeah. it, it was tough. I want to see him get his mojo back because this man was, I'll never forget that 27 points on opening night against Charlotte. But you know, from there he set the bar so high that maybe, maybe our expectations became a little unrealistic. Yeah. I don't know. But, maybe a little bit. I think we're just excited. Yeah. I mean, you know, he was so good. I remember when they had a number one in the rookie rankings. It was it was only for about a week or two, but I remember being like, "Yes, like we got one, we yeah. got ours." And it's just like Matherin Nemhard looked so good this year that I feel like it kind of emphasized when Duarte was not looking good. Well, don't forget, Bob Myers called him Dominican Clay. So- I, I very much remember that comparison in the beginning people were running wild with that they really were i would say don't let sophomore slumps happen all the time they do i'd like to see what he does his third year in the league but the age is a bit of a factor not a not a huge factor but a little bit of a factor considering he is the oldest young player on this team Mm -hmm. i mean he'll he'll be he'll be 26 and you know i don't know july yeah exactly like two three months from now so in july And, and look 26. I mean, come on. Look, you're, you're, you know, dinosaur. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, he's ancient. Should we wheel him out of here? Like, he's got plenty of of time left to produce. It's just, you wonder what, what is his ceiling? Yeah. But for next on my list, a guy that you mentioned that was a bit hot, Jordan Warup. Look, he he can flat out hoop. It's a small sample size. I get it. But I, I've enjoyed what we've seen from him. And maybe it's at the point where it's like, because we, didn't really give up anything for him and got picks with them that it, it's like made it really be like, wow, this guy can really play, but basically averaging 12 points, four and a half rebounds, 47% shooting and 45% from three, which I, I really like on four attempts per game. So it's not like it's just nothing, but he's a true wing, six foot eight. And then he scored in double figures in 10 of his last 11 games. Yeah. Yeah. He's been so, good. He's been good. And yes, to your point, there's only one year left on the contract after that, but if he is in a spot where he could be, I'm not saying featured, but, you know, there won't be O'Shea there, at least I imagine. And, you know, who knows what happens with Duarte. I think that Noir has an opportunity to build on this, where I just think it was way too hard to come across playing time on a consistent basis in Milwaukee. So he's still young. I want to say he's he's 24, I believe. Yeah. So he, he fits the timeline of this court, but remains to be seen if it's just the timeline for one more year. We we both got to check ourselves because we keep saying we got him for nothing. Well, that's not true, Fachi. We had to give up Gogo Batadze and Terry Taylor to get him. So that's true. We mm. had to give up something, and we were both intrigued by Terry Taylor as a prospect. So still think Terry Taylor could be a good player. I'm hopeful. I'm in hopeful. The league. I think Goga still has potential as a center to do something as a backup or a third string, like he was here. I mean, he could he could make a career out of being a third string center and not playing that much. I mean, that sounds like the life. Uh making millions of dollars and hardly having to play. Oh, yeah. I mean, don't have to worry about getting hurt. I know that uh, as a competitor, that's like the weakest way out, but <laughs> I'm just saying. But no, I, I understand though. Jordan Moore, like the height, the shooting, that's something we haven't had in a long time in that kind of position. So the Pacers were apparently high on him in the offseason. We can believe it if we want to. They say a lot of stuff. <laughs> I mean, makes it sound better when you say you were high on him before that you, you kept your eyes on him. But I'm sure there's a lot of players they were decently high on. So yeah, uh, that that's where that's at. But number five for me, I'm going to go quick here. Isaiah Jackson, Fachi, 21 years old. I understand he's completely unpolished. 
has a lot of room to improve upon, but just 21. Is he the youngest player on this team besides Mather, uh, maybe? Mather's 20, so yeah. So yeah, he's got to be okay. second. Yeah, so second youngest on this team. Still got another two years on his rookie deal, plus the restricted free agency. I keep going back to that, but I just feel like Isaiah Jackson has more value because of the little things that he can do, the the defensive capabilities, the blocking shots, the the leaping ability for lob threats on offense. We We know that Isaiah Jackson has untapped potential with his athleticism to do different things. And I think if he can just continue to work on the fundamentals, get a little bit stronger and just learn more, like get a higher basketball IQ, not saying he doesn't have a high one now, but just saying just continue to grow that basketball IQ. I can see there being a role for him in the league for multiple teams. So, you know, that's why I think there's got to be a lot of value in him just because number one, they traded to get back into the first round to get him. And he's a young player that's only 21 years old that's got untapped potential. So that to me is why he's at five. Oh, the potential is through the roof, but that's why I always wonder, is the idea of Isaiah Jackson better than what he'll end up being? I don't know. I'm still very hopeful. And I don't blame you for having him this high because I think a, a lot of people could have him high. They could have him low. De- depends how much patience you have, I'd mm-hmm. say. But for number four on my list, I got Aaron Neesmith. Same here. I think we're going to have the same four. I think one. so. I Let's really just go do. ahead and say him real quick. All right. So I, I got Neesmith. Then next, I got Nemhard. Okay. Then next, I got Matherin. And then I got Halbert. That's the same way I had mine. So our top four are the exact same. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, I would like to think that's where the majority of people are because Neesmith's been awesome. He yeah. really has. Look, we knew this guy could shoot threes. I think we heard he was, you know, above average. Did defender. we? Did we know he could shoot threes? Because I remember at the beginning of the year, we couldn't stand watching him shoot. Well, threes. yeah. I mean, everybody was like, oh, for 14, game, for 14 games at Vanderbilt, he shot lights out three years ago. <laughs> you know, so it's just like, yeah, I wanted to believe that he could shoot threes. He hadn't showed it from an NBA perspective, but this dude can defend. And I feel like his confidence has grown. Yeah. His role has grown. And I'm excited to see what's next. And then, obviously, we touched on, look, what is there not to like about Nemhard and Matherin? But when it comes to a head-to-head, as good as Matherin's been, Tyrese Halliburton is something special. And here's what I'm going to say. For a team that really doesn't hang jerseys in the rafters, Alex, I'm telling you, Tyrese Halliburton, if he sticks it out with the Pacers, even if he doesn't win a championship here, I think that man has a chance of having his jersey retired one day for the Pacers. 100% 100% agree, Fachi. Sorry, Jermaine O'Neal, but you know your career with the Pacers wasn't long enough, in my opinion. Yeah. But I think if Halliburton retires a Pacer or spends at least like 12 to 15 years here, I can see that definitely being the case. I think Halliburton has really embraced his franchise. He just makes it so much better. I mean, I know what we saw. I mean, I think the last stretch here without him, we've looked much better. But I think that's because Nimhart's gotten better. Yeah. Nimhart struggled in January. Let's just be honest. That whole Definitely. time Halliburton was out, he was really struggling. I think maybe he just overthought a little bit. Like, okay, I got a great opportunity to showcase myself. And that can happen to you. And I think there's been enough tape on him that the scouting report was able to mess with some of the things he does, the tendencies and stuff like that. So, you know, uh, it, it's tough. But, yeah, Halliburton's easily number one. Matherin, easily number two. Nimhart, easily number three. I just think they're all in a tier by themselves. <laughs> if you're If you're looking at how we're ranking them, one, two, three, four. But I think that Nimhard to Mather might be a little bit closer than we want to give it credit, give him credit for, because 
what Nemhard's done defensively has just been unreal. Matherin, I mean, the numbers he's put up scoring wise, like the dude is a scorer. The guy mm-hmm. is a lights out scorer and a free throw magnet. I mean, my goodness, getting to the oh, free definitely. throw line at an efficient rate that he has. So I'm really just hoping to see Matherin continue to show his efficiency from beyond the arc, in the paint, that kind of stuff. I mean, if he can grow his game that way, I think he'll be much better. But he's just got to quit being so much of a ball watcher and really just focus on defense and be a better screen navigator because even last night in Toronto, there's a couple times where he gets screened and he just like is so slow to recover. I, I think that a lot of fans probably have noticed that. And I know I'm not the only one that's noticed that, but if he can get better at that, I think that that's going to take him just, you know, up another level. But yeah, Neesmith, I'll just say quickly with him, we doubted him early on. We thought, what is this guy doing? The Neesmith minute should be given to O'Shea. And Neesmith's been bad. He's not hitting anything. His defense has been decent, but not good. He got a lot of foul trouble. He's still doing that. But his numbers, Fachi, have been through the roof when playing with Tyrese Halliburton. They they are uh, like Tyrese is good with almost anybody. But yeah. the way that Tyrese lifts, Aaron Neesmith is just night and day. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's completely true. And he gets him just, I mean, such better looks. And we saw just how much Neesmith struggled initially when Halliburton was out following that injury against the Knicks. It was like his numbers plummeted. Now I feel like Neesmith's his game, his confidence, it's all grown. But, you know, make no mistake about it. If you're on in the league, you want Tyrese Halliburton on your team because he's going to make passes that you couldn't even – couldn't even fathom. And in specific, that Halliburton pass to Nemard for the game winner against the Lakers, that's a pass that only a couple guys in the league could make. And that's what makes Tyrese Halliburton so special. Yeah, no doubt about it, Fachi. So let's go ahead and wrap things up. Let people know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore FACCI. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook, Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok, Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to YouTube.com slash Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast. Subscribe to our channel and like all of our videos. Want to put this out there that our Lance Stevenson conversation we did in the summer got picked up about a month ago by an article. And I don't know what happened, but it got shared all over the place. It was promoted all over Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And that video skyrocketed from about a thousand views to 25,000 views in just like a week or so. So I was like, wow. Okay. So if you missed any of our old stuff in the summer, go back and listen to it. That stuff is still relevant to today. Um, especially the Lance stories. You can never get enough of that, but make sure you guys just let us know what you think of the content we put out there. And if you haven't already subscribe to our Substack at setting the pace podcast.substack.com. If you like seeing things in written form, uh, I am working on uploading our March mailbag article that we did podcast wise, but just a little bit cleaner having it in a written form. So with that being said, Fachi, if you're ready to get off this podcast and go throw down some Buffalo chicken dip, then hit me with these three words. Let's go pace. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. 
That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.